way you're reading this, you have no idea what this even means uh, if you don't familiarize yourself with that. But that means that the Passover is already passed. The Passover takes place on Nisan 14 at sundown. And then after that, which is when Jesus was crucified, which was on a Wednesday and not on a Friday, by the way, then that uh, we can get into that in a couple of months here. But the days of unleavened bread come right after Passover. So right after Passover, the days of unleavened bread. Why is that important? Well, we'll see. Verse 4. And when he had apprehended him, who? Peter. He put him, Peter, in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. Four quaternions of soldiers. That's a total of 16. <laughs> Unarmed little Peter. 16 men to guard him. They all pray big as Charlie. Yeah. Biggest, strongest men of the empire. It's just, but that's how they work, folks. Because, like I said, you look at the people that they're picking on with the uh, fake insurrection stuff. It's all these little helpless people, and they go in there guns blazing, swatting their homes. That's how Satan works. The American Tract Society Dictionary of the Bible says he was guarded by four men at a time. That's why there's four watches of four quaternions. Four. You got a quarter in your pocket? You got a quarter in your pocket? Anybody got a quarter in your pocket? You bunch of rebels. Carrying cash. Only criminals use cash. Now why is it called a quarter when it's 25 cents? Quarter of a dollar. There you go. That's one fourth, right? Quatorian. Quatorian. Quarter, four, quater, quatorian, whatever, let me, look, where's the word there? Quaternion. <laughs> that means four. But it said four quaternions. So what's four times four? I just want to see how bad you are at math. I mean, I just, just you know, I already told you the answer. <laughs> Sixteen total. All right. Four watches. So a quaternion of four would take four courses during a day, and uh, what's 24 divided by four? <laughs> You're good. Yeah. That's six-hour shifts. Yeah, that's what's going on here with Peter. And uh, I won't go into the quote, but then look what it says there. Intending after what? Easter. Easter. You can speak. I'm not going to, you're allowed to talk if I ask you to. Uh, after Easter, to bring him forth to the people. Now, uh, some of you are familiar with this, but the new versions fix God's word for us. And they change this to say Passover. Yeah, that's right. Now, first of all, what's the problem with that? In doing so, they introduce an error into the text. Why? Because this isn't, couldn't be after pa uh, Passover if you change Easter to Passover because Passover's already passed. Easter is next. Wait a minute, there's no Easter in the Bible? Wait a minute. Who's this speaking of? When he had apprehended him. The him was Peter, but who's the he apprehending Peter? Herod. Herod. 
Yeah, is he a member of First Baptist Church of Jerusalem? Nope. <laughs> He's a pagan. He intended after Easter. See how that works? Verse 3 tells us that Passover has already taken place. Herod was a pagan who celebrated the feast of Astarte, or Ishtar, also known as Easter. Now, I don't make a big deal about it, but that's why you don't see me uh, saying Happy Easter uh, to people. If you say Happy Easter to me, I'll just, you know, Happy Resurrection Day or whatever. But I just don't like it because uh, Easter is not the name of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's similar to Christmas. You know, Christmas is about a Mass at the time of Christ's birth. And we don't have Mass. We have Communion. Amen? Amen. And so, but the thing is, if you want to be a real stickler about that, then you've got to be a real, you know, you, what, day, what is today? Seven. What? Seven. What's the day? Sunday. Seven. You bunch of pagan sun worshipers, you. S-O-N, yes. S-U-N is the reality. Why you call it Sunday S-U-N if you're not sun worshipers? You see what I'm saying? Every day of the week is named after a pagan god. Wednesday is a form of Thor worship. <laughs> so if you're going to be a real stickler and say, don't call the, you know, look at people and say, don't say Happy Easter to me. It's Resurrection Day. Well, the problem is, is most Easter Sundays aren't really the Resurrection Day either. Because it's impossible that the Resurrection Sunday, or the day of the Resurrection, land on a Sunday every year. You see how that works? What day were you? I was born on a Thursday. Any of you know what day you were born on? Thursday. 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 Yeah, the, the Thursday was the best day to be born on. And so, <laughs> so your birthday is always on a Thursday, right? Every year it's a Thursday. <laughs> See how that works? No, it's not on Thursday every year. How can the Easter Sunday, how can Easter, if it's the resurrection of Jesus, be on a Sunday every year? It can't be. So, I mean, if you really want to be a stickler, then you got your work cut out for you, as you can see. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your names are pagan names, you know. I always point out and say, well, if having a pagan name for something is a sin, then Apollos would have changed his name. <laughs> He's in the Bible. He got saved. and Paul didn't change his name. He was still Apollos. That's a Greek god. So that's the whole point. If you want to know, I'm not going to get into all the Greek, uh, you know, Pascha and all that, the, the explanation. I point you to a uh, book by uh, Sam Gipp called The Answer Book, just one of numerous resources where you can read more detail about uh, the defense of the King James translation of the word Easter there. But uh, with that, we go on after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Listen, folks, uh, that democracy is wicked. That's what this is pleasing the people. Your founding fathers in this country did not establish a democracy. And everybody saying it is lying to you. And you hear it over and over on the news media. We are not a democracy. We have democratic elections and we are a constitutional republic. Amen. That's right. We are a nation of laws, not of people. And God ordained, according to Romans 13, this constitutional republic. Now, we want democratic elections, and we don't have those anymore either. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And that's why we don't have a popular election for the presidency, because we're not a democracy. And the founding fathers wanted to make sure that the little towns and the little states weren't totally obliterated by the big states and the big cities. If it wasn't for the Electoral College, all the campaigning would be done in Chicago, uh, in, in California, and uh, New York, and a handful of states, and they ignore the rest of the country because that's where you get all the votes. It's a brilliant system to make sure that all 50 states have an equal say in who the president will be because we're not a democracy. That's right. And what happens? Dictators and tyrants always do what he says here. He, he was intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. China is called, you know, how many of you know how wicked China is, the government? The people are wonderful in a, in a lot of ways, but yes. the government is wicked. That's right. It's the People's Republic of China. Jim Jones that killed 3,000 some people. You know what he called his church? The People's Temple. You watch how many times that the People's is used and you'll see it's 9 out of 10 times it's by a tyrant. Democracy is deadly. And that's what you're getting a taste of it there. Uh, verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Wouldn't it be nice to know that God's people would be praying for you if you were in the slammer? Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the first things I'd want to hear is that there's a, you know, an APB out for everybody to be praying for me if I'm in jail. And next thing is, I want to make sure I have a Bible. And give me a Bible. Give me a, you better be King James or I'm going to use it for toilet paper. <laughs> But it's important to point out that Peter was in prison for preaching the gospel, not for crime. Now, if you go to jail for, you know, some crime, and, uh, you know, we'll pray for you. But we're not going to pray that you don't, you know, be found guilty. We're going to pray if he's found guilty or she's found guilty, then let her be found guilty, and then uh, we just ask for your mercy. But we'll also make sure you have a Bible. <laughs> We'll send you cards, make visits, that kind of thing. So let's see what Peter wrote in his first epistle about this. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Turn over a few pages in your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4. It's just interesting. Peter's thrown in prison. Then later he writes this epistle. Beginning of verse 12, 1 Peter 4, 12. Very famous well-known verse. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. We ought, we ought to expect trials in this life. Amen? A couple of you are convinced. Yeah. Verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. But here's the condition. The if. Read 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So the condition is if it's for being reproached for the name of Christ, then you should see that as you partaking in the sufferings of Christ. But then he says in verse 15, read that. 
but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. And then he says this wonderful uh, exhortation, verse 16. Read that. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. If you suffer as a Christian, it, he's just making that uh, difference there. For the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end of, be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Verse 19, read that. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. And by the way, I want to say this. Those who are going to jail having not committed a crime, they fall into that sufferings of Christ as well. And there are way too many people who have suffered and gone to jail for things they didn't do because of false witnesses, corrupt prosecution, and all that sort of thing. So uh, that's a real thing. But uh, back to our text in Acts 12, verse 6, And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. I mean, it's just amazing they got this kind of a lockdown on him. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. So you have a soldier chained to Peter on each side and two at the door. You'd think he was son of Sam before he got saved. Verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. I just love picturing the angel of the Lord kicking Peter in the side. <laughs> you, just made, you know, you just don't expect that. I don't know about you. When I read that, I didn't expect to see that. Yeah. Or just a arise, maybe elevate him, you know, and all that. No, he just walks there and kicks it. <laughs> I love that. That would have been something to see. It is possible that this is Jesus showing up, by the way. Again, like he did in the uh, Old Testament pre-incarnate appearances. It was the angel of the Lord. It was Jesus. It could be him here at this point for whatever reason, not identifying himself as Jesus, but showing up as the angel of the Lord. I won't be hardcore dogmatic about that, but that's just something that's interesting. But also, look at that. And his chains fell off from his hands. I'll guarantee you that was not supposed to happen. When they chained somebody down, those chains were probably tight, probably uncomfortable, and not coming off without a key. Uh, but that's what happened. Then verse 8, And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. So you see Peter, and you just picture him going, Whoop. you know, following that angel out. Get dressed, let's go. Or how's it John Wayne says, Throw some bacon on a biscuit, and let's get out of here. You're burning daylight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Verse 9, And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Now that seems kind of strange, but um, hadn't God done something in your life that left you so shaken? You were like, what just happened? Is this, did that really happen? <laughs> and uh, that's how Peter's feeling about this whole thing. 
Uh, he's probably kind of wore out anyway, physically and mentally. And then this, the chains fall off. An angel kicked him. <laughs> so he didn't expect that. Now he's followed him out. And now he's not even sure what just happened. Uh, so we come to his realization there in verse 10 and 11. Verse 10, when they were past the first and second ward, watch, look at this, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city. And what happened? said, which opened to them of his own accord. They didn't even have a remote control or anything. They're just walking along, all of a sudden this big iron gate opens up for them. No internet, no Wi-Fi. That's <laughs> pretty cool. The Bible's a cool book if you read it. It says, uh, uh, And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. The gates opening on their own. Then the angel is just gone. It just says, uh, The angel departed from him. We're reading uh, in Genesis... And it said that God just went up from Abram, Abraham after he talked to Abraham about destroying Sodom. God just went up. And it, what's that remind you? Ascension? Yeah. Acts chapter 1, as Jesus there speaking, suddenly he just went up. Ascension. Just amazing to think about. You, you think in distance how far away heaven is. <laughs> and uh, it says we're going to be like that one of these days. We're going to be like that one of these days. Some of you people need to wake up. You, you look just like somebody slapped you with a tuna. <laughs> Do you understand? One of these days you're going to just be able to go up. And if you're sitting on earth, you could be in heaven just like that. That's coming. And it's because of what Jesus has done. That's why we praise Him. Practical teleportation. Yes, better than that. <laughs> and in verse 11, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent His angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Finally, it dawns on him, he realizes... This is real. I mean, it wouldn't be funny to say he pinched himself or something. You know? This is really happening. I know for sure this is real. <laughs> the angel kick wasn't enough? Yeah. Probably had a <laughs> spot there anyway. But it's an amazing deliverance of Peter by the Lord. If you believe your Bible, it's an amazing thing to read. It's an amazing thing when you see God work. And it's also amazing when, just as I did a moment ago, you put yourself in Peter's sandals, but you also think of the implications about us and our future. But don't ever forget the Lord's deliverance of you and I from hell. That's even more amazing. The Lord has delivered Peter from prison. That's wonderful. But the idea that in spite of you, in spite of me, in spite of our sin, in spite of what we deserve, Amen. Jesus loved you enough. Being sinless and without guilt, He suffered your due penalty of death and shed His blood and gave His life 
to save you from an eternal hell. Many, many texts could come to mind, but Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why is it reasonable? He saved you from hell. It's only reasonable that you now live for Him. Amen? Amen. I'm going to have Brother Jim and Pedro come forward and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in communion with the Lord in remembrance of what He did for us on the cross. We have the bread pierced as Jesus was pierced when He was nailed to the cross. The edges are burnt showing the burnt offering which shows that the payment for sin was complete. Amen. Jesus was on the cross before He died. He said, it is finished. We work not to be saved, but because we are saved. In, in appreciation for what Jesus did to save us. We picture the broken body of Jesus as He was beaten, the crown of thorns placed on His head, And of course, nailed to the cross. And then a sword, spear, piercing his side while he hang on the cross. And so we ask that you, if you're a believer, take a piece of that bread and join us in this remembrance of what Jesus has done. Reminding you this is also a time for you to come clean with the Lord if there's something you need to confess to Him. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not something you have to wait to do before we do communion. You can do that anytime, day or night, 24-7. God's always open. But now is a good time if you haven't because there's a warning of taking part in this unworthily. If you're not a born-again Christian, you shouldn't partake of it. But also, if you're a Christian and living in unrepentant sin, you need to be, be careful and not take, partake of this unless right now you're willing to confess that before the Lord with the intention of doing what you need to do to make things right when you walk out those doors today. So with that, Pedro, you serve folks, and Jim will bring the cup. After you've received the bread and the cup, and take a few moments to commune with the Lord, being honest with Him. You're an open book before God. Once you know you have a clean conscience, forgiveness for practical sin, then in your heart, thank Him and praise Him for what He's done to save you. In Matthew 26, 26, it says, and as they were eating, in our case, it's as we're about to eat, 
We're going to have a meal afterwards. Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins and then what isn't mentioned sometimes we try to always remind you of that he then said but I say unto you I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He's coming again. And when they had sung in him, they went into the basement and had potluck. Yeah. 